beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and now allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostolic God into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The labors of our pastor that we are going to study today, he called them called to perfection. This promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all time, and it is addressed by Christ to his disciples, and therefore those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment, nor will they ever be able to have a relation to it. With regard to the fulfillment of the commandment to be vigilant over the word of God in our heart, as God is vigilant over the word spoken by him, we stopped at the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of man. Specifically, what specific goals is the righteousness of God in our hearts called to pursue? And in particular, on the fact that the purpose of the righteousness of God in our heart, accepted by us in the broken tablets of testimony in which we, with the law, died to the law, that we could receive justification in new tablets of testimony in order to live for the one who died and rose and therefore in doing so, receive the affirmation of our salvation in the new tablets in order to give God the basis to give us the promise to be an heir of peace, not through the former law, but through the righteousness of faith, just as he had given to Abraham and his seed. And I would like to focus our attention to the fact to what specific goals the righteousness of God is called to pursue. 
we understand that righteousness that we have inherited when we were born again, when we had received Christ into our heart. This righteousness was the deposit that we are called to offer in the fruit of righteousness so that we can gain it in our salvation. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so, the covenant of peace in the heart of a person is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the words of the messenger of God. The righteousness of faith is our obedience, which we express in our faith. And according to what signs Shall we test ourselves to see if we have the reign of the peace of God in our heart, which identifies us as the sons of peace and as holy unto God? To test our hearts for the subject of the reigning peace of God in it should be done by the ability to be a peacemaker which characterizes us as sons of God. As written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. One of the signs according to which we could judge of our partaking to the sons of peace is the ability to clothe our ensigns into the holy or the selective love of God. But above all else, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body and be friendly. Colossians 3 verses 14 through 15. God's selective love agape is presented by the Holy Scripture or the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly dignities and properties through the preached word of the apostles and prophets, which, according to their nature, are the unchanging properties of God. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-8 through eight. In a certain format of the seven available characteristics of virtue, which in their totality determine in our heart the goodness of God, we have already examined five components. And have stopped to study our calling to show in our faith the earthly power, brotherly love, and the presence of this sublime and noble component in the testimony of our faith, transfers us from the state of eternal death to the state of eternal life. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14-15 through One of the signs according to which we should test ourselves for the demonstration of the power of brotherly love in our faith is according to the ability to not care for anything but always in prayer and supplication, to be anxious for nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make our requests known to God. Let your meekness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your quests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have noted that in this place of Scripture, the character of the fruit of the Spirit discovering itself in the property of meekness, 
through which we are called to bridle our lips with the truth hidden in our heart, is placed opposite the character of the works of the flesh that discover themselves in the property of disobedience to the truth or unbelief. The ability of the meek tongue to be anxious for nothing in the sphere of earthly well-being is opposed to the anxiety of a person whose lips are not bridled by the bonds of meekness. As written, a meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 First, anxiety leading to the breaking of our spirit are the genetic bonds of fear passed on to us through the sinful seed of our fathers, which we are bound by, because we did not grow in the soul of our good heart the fruit of meekness, with which we could bridle our lips, which would be a sign that we are showing the power of brotherly love in our faith. Second, anxiety, which a person is bound by, is the result of his stiffness, which is identical to the occult resistance of the liberty of Christ that is contained in the truth of the preached word that is called to free us from slavery unto sin in order to make us slaves of righteousness, able to bridle our lips with the truth hidden in our heart. And thirdly, this kind of anxiety points to the bad soil of the heart which he refused to cleanse from dead works in order to accept and grow in the good soil of his heart the fruit of meekness in the subject of the tree of eternal life. This can be observed when comparing the meanings contained in these two words that are opposite of one another according to their character and their origin. Cares that discover themselves in anxiety is disobedience, disbelief, disobedience to the faith of God, the tongue not bridled by meekness, cold stiffness, the snares of the evil one, and the path of death. Meekness discovering itself in a bridled tongue is the tree of life, grown in the good soil of our heart. It is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. It is wisdom, strength, firmness, power. It is trust in God, mercy, compassion, and the snares of the kingdom of heaven in which we catch ourselves. We are talking about this meekness, about this bridalness, without the presence of which we will not be able to take off our old man. Anxiety is expressing disobedience to the order in the body of Christ, which classifies a person into the category of lawless people who oppose the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the deeds of the flesh and garments of external piety. Whereas the meekness of the heart discovering itself in meek lips is the definition of the fruit of the Spirit testifying of the presence of the tree of life grown in the spirit of a person. A meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 The fruit of the spirit and the property of meekness with which a person bridles his lips with the truth hidden in his heart is evidence that he is clothed in the mantle of a disciple of Christ, which gives him the ability to be taught by Christ, 
to oppose the words that come from his personal flesh in order to open his lips for the proclamation of the truth hidden in the heart. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28-30 And to define in ourselves the presence of meekness that discovers itself in trust in God and His Word, in waiting for the salvation of our body, it is necessary for us in brotherly love to pay attention to a specific phrase in this sign that we are studying, according to which we can distinguish meekness from unbridledness and prudence from foolishness. This is according to our ability to open our requests before God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, under the condition that these requests are bridled with the bridle of meekness, which express themselves in the desires of God that yield the will of God. This is a format of praise in which we, submitting our faith to the faith of God, consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent power of life in our body as existent. It is thanks to the presence of a grateful heart that is able to make its requests known to God regarding the fulfillment of the will of God that we should define in ourselves the presence of the fruit of meekness. One more time. It is thanks to the presence of a great heart that is able to make its request known to God regarding the fulfillment of the will of God. If we look into that word that we have accepted in our heart and bridle our lips with this word, and clothe these words in thanksgiving and thanks to God, then God promises to stand up for us and to also be a collaborator in building this new body which we desire to be clothed in. Because we can turn upon ourselves the favor of God only when we present in our praise our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which gives God the basis to show and affirm in us His salvation. The format of a sacrifice will be expressed in the fact that when we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, will immerse, will immerse ourselves in the fact that we have left our nation, the house of our Father, And we gave to God's judgment the corrupt desires of our flesh and all kinds of desires. This gives God the basis. He sees this and He collaborates with us. Because with our own strength, we will never be able to cast out the old man from our essence. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. ordering our conduct aright on God's end to show us favor in His salvation as an answer to the sacrifice of praise that we offer to God becomes for us a guarantee of the fulfillment of our calling over our enemies. 
And so according to what signs or results can we judge that the praise which we offer God is present in the atmosphere of brotherly love which brings us from death to life? The first sign according to which we can define the essence of befitting praise that comes from our heart in atmosphere of brotherly love is called to be tested according to our ability to turn to the Almighty in the subject of building ourselves in a spiritual dwelling and holy place. The second sign according to which we can define the essence of befitting praise that comes from our heart in an atmosphere of brotherly love is according to the presence of the comfort of our heart which should be tested by our acquaintance and nearness with God through the acceptance of His law in the lips of His messengers. And the third sign according to which we can define the essence of befitting praise that comes from our heart in an atmosphere of brotherly love is called to be tested by the power outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us, after which judgment will dwell in our wilderness and justice will remain in the fruitful land. And fourth, the fourth sign according to which we can define the essence of befitting praise that comes from our heart in an atmosphere of brotherly love will be comprised of the fact that our praise will be found in the limits of the sacred word Alleluia, which defines in itself what is befitting praise unto God. Alleluia, praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments, his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed, wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Upon the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs, and his words in court will be firm. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid when he sees his enemies. He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever, his horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved, he will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Psalms chapter 112 verses 1 through 10. The word Alleluia is a formula of praise and thanksgiving to Yahweh in the liturgical practice of the Israelites which, like the word Amen, passed into all other languages without translation. It is by the presence of this formula, either at the beginning or at the end of certain passages of Scripture, that the essence of befitting praise set forth in these passages of Scripture should be determined. And in this case, the word Alleluia, which stands at the beginning of the existing passage of Scripture, defines ten components that determine the essence of befitting praise to God coming from our upright heart in an atmosphere of brotherly love transferring us from death to life. At the same time, in our praise we will consider the presence of the fear of the Lord causing a strong love for the commandments of the Lord from our partaking to a woman who fears God by which is meant an assembly of saints 
in which the order of the kingdom of heaven is established, challenging assemblies with a democratic structure. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised, give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Proverbs 31 verses 30 through 31. From this parable it follows that a woman who fears God is a church that preaches the truth, thanks to which the saints, spending all their efforts, they can put on the fear of the Lord on the basis of which they will be rewarded by God from the fruit of their hands, and their deeds will glorify them at the gates of their house. Therefore, in order to be filled with the fear of the Lord, we need to understand how Scripture defines the virtue of a wife in the dignity of the fear of the Lord. And in order to be affirmed in that our praise expressing itself in the fear of the Lord is truly the inheritance of our faith, it is necessary to answer four classic questions. First, to define where does the source of the fear of the Lord come from, or what is the essence of the fear of the Lord. Second, to define what purpose does Scripture lay in the ability to be filled with the fear of the Lord. And third, to define what price is necessary to pay to be filled with the fear of the Lord. And fourth, by what results should we judge that we are truly filled with the fear of the Lord. We will look at the third question, what price is necessary to pay to be filled with the fear of the Lord? To gain this fear, we need to pay a certain price. First, the fear of the Lord is gained through the price which we are called to pay for the right for, on one hand, our body to become a place of God's dwelling, and on the other hand, to become an organized partaking to the place on which God favors to dwell. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Isaiah 33, 6. The fear of the Lord is going to be his treasure. This is one of the proper, uh, prophecies that is the definition of that place where God dwells and the place where the fear of the Lord is called to become the treasure of our heart. We cannot be the house of God if we do not pay the price for the right to be an organized partaker of the body of Christ in the face of God's chosen remnant. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. All your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat, eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you have given me, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Genesis chapter 28, verses 11 through 22. The meaning of the city Bethel is house of God. Luz, which it was previously called, means almond tree, which symbolizes the property of God in which he is vigilant over his spoken word so that it can soon be fulfilled. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. According to the vision of Jacob, the house of God on earth is the place of God's dwelling, or the house of God. Second, the house of God on the earth are the gates that lead to heaven, in the presence of God Himself. Third, the house of God on earth is the ladder of perfection in the knowledge of God. Fourth, the house of God on earth is the place of rest where strength is restored. The house of God on earth is the place of refuge from Esau in the face of our sinful nature. The house of God on earth is the place of the revelation of our predestination. The house of God on earth, seventh, is the place where God swears that He will keep us or that He will help us fulfill our calling. Where is that He will help us fulfill our calling? And eighth, the house of God on earth is the place where we are called to proclaim our vows before God. For God to, on his end, fulfill for us that good which he spoke about in relation to Jacob and for the fear of the Lord present in this place to become the treasure of Jacob, it was necessary to fulfill the vow which Jacob made with God. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will keep will be with me and keep me in this place that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set as a, as a pillar shall be God's house. 
and of all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. According to this vow, their promise for having the fear of the Lord was contained in two things. First, Jacob swore that the stone which he placed from his head will be for him the house of God. Second, from every income that will come to him from the labor of his hands, a tenth will be given to God. Fulfillment of the vow comprised of offering God a tenth from our home made Jacob a house of God and worshiper of God and separated him from the lawlessness that surrounded him. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Second, the fear of the Lord is called to be gained through the price in being taught to listen to the word of God in the lips of the person whom God made his lips. And the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. The price that we are called to pay to listen to the word of God is comprised in paying for discipleship, which is comprised of taking heed to how we hear the word of God, to immediately fulfill it. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Whoever has an inclined ear, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have an inclined ear, even when he seems to have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Luke 8.18 To have an inclined ear toward hearing the preached word means to place our prince in the subject of our renewed thinking, dependent on our priest in the subject of our spirit. And it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life and that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 through 20. We see, and we see that a prince, prince was called to care 
to write for himself the list, the list of those statutes, that word which he had accepted in his heart, to engrave it, to be found in this word, to proclaim it, so that the Lord could dwell in him. so that he does not depart to the right or to the left. Third, the fear of the Lord is gained through the price that we are called to pay for the covenant made with God. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. Malachi chapter 2, verse 5. The price that we are called to pay for making a covenant with God in order to gain the treasury of the fear of the Lord is expressed in our dedication to reject our interests for the purpose of pursuing the interests of God. Where we voluntarily become servants of this word. Fourth, the fear of the Lord is gained the price that we are called to pay for accepting the Holy Spirit in order to receive the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit or be led by the Holy Spirit. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. The essence of the price that we are called to pay to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the subject of our dependence on the Holy Spirit is comprised of satisfying the Spirit and the letter of the Law of Moses. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will give your ten camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master, Genesis 24, verses 10 through 14. We read that the fear of the Lord is gained through the price that we are called to pay to receive, to accept the Holy Spirit in order to receive the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to be led by the Holy Spirit. Fifth, the fear of the Lord is gained through the price that we are called to pay for the right to the revelation of the judgments of the Lord. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? 
for you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship you, for your judgments have been manifested. On one hand, the price that we are called to pay for the right to the revelation of the judgments of the Lord is the comprised of the decision to judge ourselves according to the commandments of God, and on the other hand, to judge the outside according to our responsibility and the commandments of God. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged, 1 Corinthians 11.31. And important to note here that the judgment that we are called to fulfill on the outside, it is comprised in that responsibility that is found in our responsibility. We can't spread this judgment upon everybody. And all of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. 3 Kings chapter 3, verse 28. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. The great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Acts 5, 5. 6. The fear of the Lord is gained when we pay the price for humility that is produced by meekness. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. Proverbs 22, 4. Humility that comes not from meekness is ordinary cowardice and a shameful renunciation of our sovereign rights. Whereas humility that comes from meekness is victory over cowardice in keeping our sovereign rights. And so the price of the right to be clothed in humility, which makes us fulfillers of the will of God, is comprised of giving up the members of our body over to be slaves of righteousness for holy works. And we should note the price of the right to be clothed in the mantle of humility, which makes us fulfillers of the will of God, to reject our own will for the benefit of fulfillment of the will of God. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also has highly exalted him and give him the name which is above every name. God humbles a person only when he is clothed in the garments of pride and lawlessness. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Daniel 4.34 And 7. The fear of the Lord is gained through the price that we are called to pay in showing before God our living faith that is comprised of the obedience to the faith of God in listening to the word preached to us. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble, but do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? 
A dead faith is a demonic faith that cannot serve as the price for gaining the fear of the Lord. We must be fully aware of what kind of works of faith we are referring to. Otherwise, we will act in such a way that our works will be reviewed in at the judgment of the great and white throne. And so the price that we are called to pay for the right to express living faith is comprised of the ability to distinguish the voice of God from the voices of others with proceeding obedience to those words which God speaks to the means accessible to Him. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him. They do not know the voice of strangers. John 10 verses 2 through 5. And eighth, the fear of the Lord is gained by paying for the right to have the Ark of the Covenant in our heart. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the Ark of the Lord come to me? Second Samuel chapter 8, verses 6, verses 8 through 9. According to this place of scripture, payment for the right to have the ark in our heart is comprised of accepting the ark of the covenant in our heart according to God's established order. And David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priests and for the Levites, for Uriel, for Uriel Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers. Houses of the Levites, sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren. They may bring up the ark of the Lord, God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because we did not consult about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctify themselves to bring up to the ark of the Lord, God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. All right, saints, we will pray and thank God for that word that we had the word to hear and remember. May you be blessed in your prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name that you have placed this place, a place of your glory, because upon this place dwells a remembrance of your holy name. A remembrance of your holy name, because, Lord, upon this place dwells your word. And you have said, Lord, about this place upon which we dwell today, that you are vigilant over your word. And for you to be able to be vigilant over your word, you want this word to dwell in this place. And we thank you that upon this place dwells the word of the Lord, the truth of God the teaching of Jesus Christ. 
And if upon this place dwells your truth and your word, then you have said that you have the full and the legal right to be vigilant over your word. And this means, Lord, that this place is going to be called Bethel, the house of God. You have allowed us to be in the house of God. You have allowed us, Lord, to be your house, to be the house of the Holy Spirit, so that your glory that has filled your home, so that it could be a part also of our perishable and decaying body, because you have created your church for the very reason that we could be an organized partaker to your body and so that you can live in each of us. We thank you, Lord, for this great calling to stand before your countenance and to proclaim your word, to thank you that you have revealed to us the calling that you don't just want us to serve you as the angels serve you, you call us, not your angels, you call us your children because you wanted to live with us, to live in our house, to live with us closely and to communicate with us as your children. And for this, you were not called to just create us, but to create us from the dust. You wanted to give birth to us. And to give birth, Lord, you could give birth to us only in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you have given birth to us the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance that is unfading, incorruptible, pure, being kept in heaven for us, which the Lord is soon ready to be revealed for all those saints that keep themselves in faith and that keep themselves in salvation. We thank you, Lord, for this great inheritance that you will reveal for your body and in the bodies of your saints. We thank you, Lord, that upon this place dwells your ladder. That upon this place, the saints, the children of God, can be perfected and can show in their faith virtue, in virtue, knowledge, in knowledge, self-control, in self-control, patience, in patience, godliness, in godliness, brotherly love, and in brotherly love, love. And Lord, we have this. We thank you for our pastor, Brother Arkadi, who has revealed to us our calling and how we are able to collaborate our faith with the faith of God. As the angels ascend and descend, also, Lord, your grace and your mercy arise, ascend and descend when we fulfill our role and our calling. And when you fulfill your role, in your calling. We thank you that through your word you have revealed to us and through your Holy Spirit you have revealed to us your role, our role, and what you have called us to. You have called us so that in this collaboration, on this ladder, we can hear your voice. As Jacob had seen you standing on the ladder, speaking, and we thank you that today we hear you speaking through your lips, through your messenger whom you have clothed with the powers to represent the fatherhood of God on earth. We thank you for your divine lips, for the person in whom you have placed your revelation, your vision, your wisdom, and who serves you with his spirit, 
and sermon and the preached word of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor, Brother Adgazi. We thank you, Lord, that today upon this place dwells this ladder, that today upon this place you speak to us through your preached word, which clothes us, Lord, in anointing and gives us the authority for the right to set aside our former way of life and it gives us the anointing and the power to the right to clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ. We are grateful to your holy name that today we are able to place these truths for ourselves at, at our head. We are able to ponder upon this word we are able to look into this word. You are waiting, Lord, for us to proclaim with our lips that that word that was at our head, it will become a house of God. You want us to proclaim that word which today is found in our heart and at our head. You have allowed us to place this word in our heart. We have accepted it, Lord, on your conditions. And when this word was accepted by our heart, only then you allowed us to place this stone, this truth, this revelation at our head. Where you showed your might, your authority, and your revelation about our calling. As Jacob had heard about it, we thank you, Lord, for the revelation that the land and the place upon which we hear this revelation, your church, is the place of your glory. And we thank you, Lord, that you have promised in your word and you have sworn and you are faithful to your word. You have said that you, you will give us this land. You will allow the resurrection of Christ to reign in our body. And we thank you that the resurrection of Christ has reigned in our spirit, which has become in the likeness of you. We thank you that the resurrection of Christ today illuminates itself in our soul because we renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind. And we, Lord, thank you upon this holy place for the adoption of our body We believe, Lord, that you hear this prayer as you had said through David that let the praise, let the Gentiles praise me together with the people. And today, Lord, our body, our physical, temporary, decaying body praises you together with our spirit that is equal to you is in the likeness of you. And you hear, Lord, this praise. We today, Lord, hear this praise. You gave the promise at the door of our hope that you will hear our heaven when our heaven hears our earth. And our earth will hear bread, oil, and wine that anointed word of God, that revelation 
that you have given to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, in his blood that was spilled and in his body that was broken. And Jezreel will hear this, the land that is covered with salt. And we thank you, Lord, that today our bodies can praise you and that you accept this praise. Because we have placed this trust for our body and it became our trust. And we know that we can trust only in that which we hope in, without hope in our heart. We cannot trust. We cannot trust that promise that you have offered to us. We thank you, Lord, for this great trust. We thank you for that revelation, which you will fulfill at the door of our hope. You have said, Lord, that this, all that is perishable must be clothed in perishability and all that is decaying in us will be clothed in imperishability. And when this perishable will be clothed in imperishability and when this mortal will be clothed in immortality, then the written word will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up by victory. Thanks be to you, Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us the opportunity to triumph in this great victory. We ask, Lord, that death be swallowed up by victory. Death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? We thank you, Lord, for this great and wonderful trust which our body today trusts in and which today is given up to serve a servant of righteousness. We thank you that our body today is a servant and a bodyguard of our spirit. And when our soul is cast down, when our soul is sorrowful, our body do, does not depend on the soul, but our body are like the servants of David that come to complete submission from our innermost man. We thank you, Lord, that your church has reached the time when the body can be in full submission to the innermost man and no longer depends on emotions and feelings and is found in the full control of the Spirit. We are able to speak to our soul and to comfort our soul, and we comfort her today with the Word of God. But our body, Lord, is clothed in your eternal joy. When it heard the revelation about the adoption, the adoption that is going to happen here on earth in our bodies. Not there, but here, because you said, Lord, that you will show this glory and at the door of hope in the other day you are going to be revealed in order to be glorified in the bodies of your saints. 
and then in those bodies in which you will be glorified. You have said, Lord, that they are going to be transformed in the blink of an eye and are going to be equal to the glorified body of our Lord Jesus Christ. But before our body is going to be transformed, we ask you, Lord, that your mighty word of God, together with our lips, could cast out the old man from our body, and so that in our body there is no place for death and decay, so that in our thinking there is no place for death and decay. We thank you, Lord, for imperishability. We thank you for the fear of the Lord that upon this place dwells the fear of the Lord. You uncover it for us in your laws, in your commandments and your statutes, and in your revelations. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to hear your word, accept and to place it in our heart, to place it at our head, and to be clothed in the might of your word. We thank you, Lord, for this church, for the atmosphere of love, mutual understanding, which dwells upon this place. You have allowed us, Lord, to ascend upon this ladder and be clothed in the atmosphere of brotherly love, after which there is the coronation of the love of God, agape. We thank you, Lord, that you have visited us and clothed us in the atmosphere of brotherly love. This means, Lord, that we have come very close, very close to that place where there will be the coronation of your holy inheritance. And when it happens, Lord, you are going to allow the Queen of Heaven to come out to meet her groom and together with him to enter into your presence, Father, together with Jesus with Jesus who said to him who overcomes I will give to him to sit with me on the throne as I have overcome and sat with my father on the throne but before we sit on the throne allow us to thank you for the tree of life that you have said to him who overcomes I will allow to eat from the tree of life that is in the garden of Eden I will allow to eat of my precious manna and will give him the white stone. And upon this white stone is a new name which no one knows except for the one to whom it is given. We thank you, Lord, that that promise that we have placed on our head, that stone that we have today, the person who received it, he knows of it because you have allowed us to please you. And we thank you that through our pastor, our apostle, that you have revealed to us this is not a simultaneous act of just a one-time act. This is the process of everyday life. Every minute decision, every second decision in which you want your church to honor you so that your saints can honor you and could please you. Therefore, Lord, we desire and we want to please you each day in our decisions in our words, in our actions. As Enoch had done 
throughout 300 years when he had accepted the promise of immortality and for 300 years had banished death and had pleased you. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to, being in this place, to continue to not hurry you with the fulfillment of your calling, but to fulfill our role so that we can continue to please your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you confess our names before the angels of God and before the Father. You will give us the authority over our Gentiles in our body. And we are going to tend to them with a rod of iron and as clay vessels they are going to be broken. And when the Gentiles will be broken in the essence of our body, you have said, Lord, that you will return the vineyards to the church. You will return the judgment upon the church of God, the judgment that had dwelled in Israel, but that was rejected and lost by them. You said, Lord, that you return the power of your judgment. And if someone dares to do something against your inheritance, to say something against your inheritance, you said, Lord, that this person is called to be destroyed. You did not protect countries for your people. You did not protect peoples for your holy inheritance. Because your people magnified your holiness in the fear of the Lord. And we today are clothed in this holiness. We today are hallowed unto you. And when we honored you, and when we honor you with tithes, this allows us, Lord, to separate ourselves and to become a tenth for you. And each one that touches us touches the eye of God, the speck of the eye of God. We thank you, Lord, that every wicked and lawless person that touches us touches touches the eye of God. Every illness, premature death, every poverty, calamity that comes upon us, it comes upon also the eye of God. And that's why we thank you, Lord, that we are found in your arms. We are found in you and with you. We thank you, Lord, for these great and precious powers. We continue to pray, Lord, that your mercy Hurry for the good of our soon gathering with our pastor so that that revelation that you have placed in his heart and Lord there is a lot there in there a lot that you would want to say from your ladder what you would want to teach us Lord we have known one thing that you are the true shepherd and that the person that you have placed at the head of this division is your co-pastor allow us Lord to also be co-pastors of your messenger 
that we can continue to tend to those thoughts, revelations, those pearls that you have endowed to him, to tend to them, to tend to this flock in our thinking. Allow us, Lord, to also be co-pastors in the essence of our body, as David once was. The man who was whose heart was in the likeness of you, the man who pleased you, the man to whom you gave your kingdom according to the covenant of salt. And we thank you, Lord, for the covenant of blood in which we receive justification. And we thank you, Lord, for the covenant of salt in which we are affirmed in our righteousness and where grace reigns in us through this righteousness. Lord, may your grace reign through righteousness, through the righteousness of your saints. We thank you for the covenant of blood that has allowed us to be written in the book of life. We thank you for the book of life that is the work of the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are works are not there. There are the works of your Son, Jesus Christ. And that redemption that he has revealed to us, there is the resurrection of Christ there from the dead who has given birth to us to a new life. And we thank you, Lord, that our names are written in the book of life. Not thanks to what we have done, but thanks to what your Son, Jesus, our Lord, has done. And we pray, Lord, that today, according to your covenant of salt, you could write in the book of works, that are works of righteousness, and so that every dead work and dead deed which were inspired by the old man, by our uncrucified soul, our unrenewed thinking, for them to be destroyed. Because any dead work, however good it may seem to us, but if our personal benefit stands behind this, our popularity, our selfishness, you, Lord, call this good work a great evil. We ask you, Lord, that in this book of remembrance were written all the works that are made in Christ Jesus. For the Holy Spirit, which we have accepted not as a guest, but as Lord and ruler of our life. And this has allowed us, Lord, to leave our nation, to leave the house of our Father, and to leave our personal desires and to say, not our will, but yours be done. We thank you, Lord, for that truth, that revelation that we heard today that brings joy to us. We pray, Lord, for the upcoming services upon which you will continue to give sight to the blind the lame will begin to rejoice, to jump before you, thanks to your holy name. Those that are leprous will be cleansed. Those that are tormented, you are going to lead out to victory through your mighty word. 
and through your Holy Spirit, which mightily dwells upon this place. We thank you and worship before you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.